is Tanya Locks, and you are listening to The Tanya Locks Show, episode number 10. Wow, I am really on episode number 10. This has been a journey. Um, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time, but I have just been so afraid to do it. I, you know, I think about what people would say, if people would listen, you know, how I sound, if my words don't come out right, if I don't say the right thing. You know, all that kind of stuff kept me from doing the podcast. And I kept hearing God just, you know, telling me to do it. Just go for it, you know. And I wanted to be obedient. And I said, God, if if I do it, you're just going to have to guide me through it. You're going to have to guide me through this. And and he's continually to guide me through this. Um, It has been fun. It has been scary sometimes. But I am so happy that I decided to be obedient and follow through. Whether it's good or bad, whether I make mistakes, you know, whether it doesn't sound right, my accent, whatever the case may be, I am so happy that I followed through. Today's episode is an emotional one for me. It's one that I didn't realize I was still so emotional about. But as I did the podcast, I found myself... um, overwhelmed with plenty of emotions it is Datla's daughter is what I'm talking about and if you're interested in listening to the podcast continue to stay tuned I'll tell you how it affected my life um, even up until this point and also how I started the healing process and how I've been healing from it this episode would also tie into next week's episode when Kevin and I get on here and talk about our life together and how um, some of the things I experienced or how not having a dad affected me poured into my relationship with Kevin. He's going to be my co-host for next weekend. I mean, next week. So stay tuned for that. If you've listened to any of my podcasts and you're listening to them, I want to say thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out to listen to what I have to say. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've um, gained something from it. Um, I hope you've been inspired by it. And I hope that in some way that my podcast can help change the life of others or change the path of others. And I believe that that is my purpose. So stay tuned. Thank you. So as I record this, I'm already getting emotional about this topic because it's something that, it's a journey that I've been on for a really long time. And that journey is um, finding, finding healing in not having my father present in my life. Though he was present in my life, he was not a participating father in my life. So all my life, I felt like a dadless girl or a dadless daughter or a fatherless daughter. So I was thinking about this last night, and I know that there are many daughters who are fatherless and, and not by the way that I became a fatherless daughter. So I went and I looked it up, like, what is the definition of a fatherless daughter? And I found that a fatherless daughter 
is the loss of of the emotional father-daughter bond due to but not limited to that some women become fatherless um, daughters by by way of death um, by way of um, divorce by way of incarceration by way of uh, abandonment drug and alcohol addiction and the way that I became a dadless daughter is by way of alcohol and um, drug addiction which in my opinion led to abandonment so all my life just about I'm not quite sure if my dad is off of crack um, but I do know he drinks still so just about all my life I've had a dad that's been addicted to drugs and and alcohol so as you can imagine growing up as a little girl I did not have the dad who took me to parks to play I didn't have a dad who took me to school I can remember one time my dad taking me to school he took me and my my brother my oldest brother to school one morning because I can remember the morning that um, we was at my grandparents' house and at his mom and dad's house and he cooked us some eggs and I can remember the eggs just smelling really bad. They were rotten eggs and I can remember saying as a little girl, oh, dad, those, daddy, those eggs stink. And so I do remember that and that is the only memory that I have of my dad taking me and my oldest brother to school. But other than that, my dad never really participated in, in my life. Any In any activity I've, I may have done, which I don't think I've done any activity because my grandparents simply just couldn't afford it. But he's not taking me to the park. I don't remember that. I don't remember him um, just being in my life, like saying to me, um, your daddy's girl and I love you and you're pretty and you're this, that, and that. I... I didn't grow, I did not grow up with that from my daddy. My dad's life was too consumed by drugs and alcohol. <coughs> How did that affect me? Well, a dadless daughter can leave an, an indelible mark on your psyche. It can mess with your mind, it can mess with your emotions, it messes with your self-esteem. And because as little girls, we look up to our fathers. They are supposed to be the first person or the first man that we love and that we think is absolutely the world. Like as a little girl, we see our dad as bigger than anything. He's our protector. He's our, uh, he loves us unconditionally. You know, he's, he'll fight, he'll go to war for you. I didn't have that growing up. My my dad was too consumed with alcohol and drugs and women. So I did not have the direction and guidance of my father. And trying to navigate through that as a kid and then as a teenager was really hard. I watched my dad struggle with alcohol and, and drug addiction. So much so to where um, I wonder if he would live. I wonder if he would live 
even to this point now, and he is still alive, thank God, he's still alive, but I, I wondered all the time, Will, would drugs and alcohol take his life? Because he was so, he was so engulfed into that. He didn't think about his children. I am one of, I think, five or six of his kids, and I am the only daughter. So you would think, as the only daughter, that I would be his princess, that I would be his precious little princess, right? That he would build a wall around me so that nothing can hurt me, can harm me, can bring me down, nothing. He would be my protector. But again, my dad was in that because he was too consumed. His life was too consumed in drugs and alcohol. I can remember my dad being on drugs. And one night he got money. He, he, he would get a check because when he was younger, he was about the age of 14, I think he told me. He was, um, he was shot in the head. And they thought he was, he was not going to live past that like he was just he said it was an accident and he was shot in the head and from that blow to the head he experienced um, seizures all the time and um, I can remember him coming to me that that day and Oh, I was saying that he get a check. The reason why he get a check, he he get a check, is because he was he wasn't able to, he was unable to work. So he got a social security check really early in his life because he was unable to do strenuous um, work. So every every month on a third, I remember I remember like yesterday he would get a check every month on a third, like clockwork. He would meet the mailman to go and get his check. And so this particular day, he cashed his check and he gave me some money. I don't know, maybe two hundred dollars to hold for him. And he said, whatever, you, he said, hold this money for me. And whatever you do, do not give it back. Even if, I, even if I ask you and beg you for it, do not give this money back to me. He took part of that money and he went and smoked it. I knew that my dad was going to come back. He wasn't strong enough yet to, to, to conquer this drug and alcohol addiction. He wasn't strong enough because he had not done the work. But he came to me and he said, hold this money. Do not give it to me no matter what. Hours later, I don't think it was two hours, he come back and he asked me for the money. And I told him no. And he begged me for the money. And I said, no, you told me if you come back for the money, not to give it to you. And he begged me and begged me. I refused to give him the money. He got so frustrated that he hit me. And when he hit me, I ran to the kitchen. Kitchen. That was my, my first reaction. I ran to the kitchen. I got a knife. And I put the knife up to my daddy. And I said, if you ever hit me again, I will kill you. I will kill you. He took off. And for days after that, we didn't speak. Drugs and alcohol took my daddy away from me. For a long time, I was socially awkward. I didn't build many friendships growing up. I had about, I think, four friends that um, I had growing up as a teenager. But I was socially awkward. 
I didn't I didn't go out much I had to be (laughs) by my friends I had to be almost dragged out the house I didn't know why I was that way I thought I was just that was just me you know I thought it was just me that was just who I am but the older I got and the more I learned I'm starting to realize or I had begun to realize that something was happening to me emotionally and it was because of the relationships that I did not that I didn't have with my mom or my dad though I had my grandmother and my grandfather it just wasn't the same I am very grateful for them because they did the absolute best that they could do to raise me I am forever grateful but that will never take the place of your mom or your dad just never so I grew up I grew up socially awkward I can remember trying to date guys and I would date guys but I was looking for them what I didn't get from my dad if that makes sense I was looking to be loved like loved I had a lot of love to give and I can love really hard but I was looking for that love in return and so I couldn't find it and when I didn't find it in one I would go to the other one or to the next and it's not that I was giving myself up sexually it was emotionally that I was giving myself up so I couldn't I couldn't have decent relationships because of my relationship with my dad, my earthly dad. It wasn't good. I later learned that it hurt me academically. I loved school, still love school. I love learning. I am a creature of learning. I love to learn. I love to read. Anything that I can, I can learn. I I am invite me. I, I am there. If it's gonna make my life better, I am there. I loved school, but I could not, I couldn't focus. I did okay, I didn't do great. I did okay in school. But you know, um, that affected me, not having that relationship with my dad, affected me academically. If it affected me physically, I gained weight. I was an emotional eater at one point. I was up to like 200 pounds because I never felt pretty enough. Like, I, my dad never told me I was pretty when I was little or a teenager. He never told me. He never hugged me. You know, I never got that that hug or that kiss on the forehead from my dad. And and I never got that, you are, you are daddy's girl, and I love you, and I will always protect you, and whatever you need. I mean, I never got that. And, y'all, that affected me, my, my life. Even in my relationship with my husband, it affected our relationship big time. Um, I built walls. I built walls around myself. I built walls because I didn't, I didn't trust anybody, especially as a child. As a child, and I went through a lot of things in my childhood, and I've talked about this before. But I went through a lot of things. I experienced a lot of not-so-good things in my childhood. You know, being sexually abused by my mom's boyfriend. 
being sexually abused by my mom's boyfriend's son, being sexually abused by other people. So I'm just confused as a child. You know, I'm like, who loves me? My mom don't because she allowing this to happen. My dad don't because he's allowing this to happen. Who loves me? You know, I went through that as a as a child, as a teenager. And so whenever I could build a wall around myself and be alone, that's what I did. I didn't let anyone in for a really long time. Even as a grown-up, as I became an adult and got married, I can remember my husband um, trying to force me to make friends. And, and it was very innocent when he was doing it. He was only trying to help me. But I couldn't even allow myself to have friends because I was always so quiet and so afraid and not trusting of anyone. I literally built a wall around me. It wasn't until maybe recently, like five years ago, I want to say that I allowed for some of those walls, uh, for for that wall to be um, chipped down little by little, um, chip by chip, peck by peck. I allowed that wall to come down and it's not completely down but I have come a really long way so I built a wall around myself because I was like you know what I'm not gonna let anybody else hurt me I'm just not gonna allow it to happen my dad hurt my mom hurt me I can't get nobody to love me I'm just not gonna allow it it to happen anymore so it affected me with building a wall and not letting anybody um in around me um I mostly just stayed to myself. I was, I, I thought I was awkward. I thought I was different. And the biggest thing is that I feared rejection. Isolation was my coping mechanism. I isolated myself from people um, and from, from doing things. <sighs> like I said, a dadless fatherless daughter can have all kind of disorders the one thing that I'm one of the things that I'm grateful for is that I did not have a drug or alcohol addiction I did not have that and I am so grateful to God I'm telling you if you are a dadless daughter you understand what I'm talking about if you're not you may not understand now you're a dadless daughter through many ways. And I know that dealing with being a dadless daughter through death, through um, incarceration, you know, through divorce, it can be different for you. And I would love to hear those experiences. Like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know if it feels the same or if it feels different for someone who's lost their dad through, through death, you know, or through um, divorce. My parents have never been divorced, so I don't even know what that feels like. I'm sure it feels something like what I'm going through, but I don't know. I would love to hear somebody else's experience of their daddy um, or dadless daughter um, lack of relationship or whatever it may be. But my dad was also incarcerated. I can remember going see my dad in jail. He was in jail for, I don't even know. He was in jail for something. He was in jail for a really long time. So I have visited my dad in jail. I have seen my dad in crack houses. I have gone to look for him. 
it's just been, um, it just wasn't, and, and all of that just affected me. I'm still emotionally dealing with all of that with my dad. Um, I don't think that it would ever be an end to my emotions with my dad. I have forgiven him and we have talked and stuff like that. But I don't think the journey ever ends. I think I would always feel a little like I need my dad. I need my daddy. Like, where is my daddy? I need him. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. And again, thank God I am I'm not or never have been addicted to anything that has to do with drugs, alcohol. I don't even smoke. I don't have any of that. Thank God for that. Because I know some women who have these issues have gone to jail because their dad have gone to jail or one parent have gone to jail. They are on drugs because that's what they saw growing up. They are alcoholics because that's what they experienced as a child. Um, and that's how, that's how they, they, do, they do life and that's how they saw life as a child. So they turned to alcohol and drugs. I thank God that I did not, I had the opportunity to because I grew up, I grew up in an atmosphere in a neighborhood where drugs and alcohol was always around me. It was sitting on my porch every day. It was in our house every day. I grew up around it. Now I can tell you this. So I don't know, I was, I was a teenager and because we were so poor, (laughs) we were so poor, I didn't, we didn't, I, I never really had any money. Right, and so my grandparents couldn't really give me anything. My mom, my dad, my dad was too busy spending his on crack. My mom had too many children to even try and, and give me something. She would try, but it wasn't enough because as a teenager, you wanted things. And so I never forget, I was friends with this guy, and he sold drugs. And we were talking and stuff like that, and he was telling me that you know, if you want to make some money, sell these drugs to me, and and um, and you can make some money. So I was like, okay, I'll sell these drugs. I'll make some money. So he gave me around $300 worth of drugs. Let me tell you how (laughs) my God is, okay? He gave me about $300 worth of of drugs. That, for one, that was just not my lifestyle. Like, I don't don't sell drugs. I'm not a drug dealer. (laughs) I, I don't use drugs. I'm not, I'm not, first of all, I'm too scared of going to jail. And I'm too scared of, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, that's not me. So God was like, what are you doing, child? So anyway, God allowed me to take the drugs, $300 worth of drugs. First of all, I don't know how to sell this. You know, I've seen it. I've seen people sell it. I'm around it. I'm around drugs all day, every day. And I'm awkward, you know. So I have the drugs in my hand and I'm walking through what is called a cut in in the projects. I live. I grew up in the Florida projects. I grew up in a house, but we live right across the street. Like our house and other houses set inside of a L shape Florida project, Ninth Ward. And if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, we lived on the black side of the project. There was a white side and a black side. 
it was a white side way before I came to, to, to the picture because the white side had was black too. So white people were gone at this point. But it was a white side and a black side. We lived on the black side. And so I was walking through this, what we call the cut. It's like a alleyway. And at night, it's really scary. But if you live there, if you grew up there, it's not scary to you. But if you're somebody coming there to visit, it is very scary. So I was walking through the cut. And I'm like, who am I going to sell these drugs to? So I had the drugs in my pocket, I believe. And I think I was walking by myself. or I may have been walking with a friend. And so um, at this point, I'm trying to find myself, right? As when we become teenagers, we're trying to find our identity, who we are. We're trying to figure out where we fit, where we belong. And so I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with where do I fit in all of this? <laughs> where do I belong in, in this mess, right? And so I lost the drugs. I lost it. I lost the $300 worth of drugs. Now... I didn't have any money. I did not have any money. And I I especially didn't have $300 to give somebody. So I lost the drugs. I, 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 I lost it. When I lost the drugs, I lost it. I was like, oh my God, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me if I don't come up with these drugs, if I don't find these drugs. Now, mind you, I am walking through the cut. I lost these drugs in the cut. And the cut is where you see the drug, the crackheads, the cokeheads, the alcoholics, the prostitutes, the whatever, the killers, the murderers. Everybody is walking through this cut. Everybody. And I thought, it's gone. It's gone. And how am I going to explain this? How am I going to come up with the money? How am I going to explain to my grandmother and grandfather that I was out here trying to sell drugs. How am I going to explain that? So, God is funny. He had me to lose the drugs. But after an hour or so of me sweating and crying and on my knees in the grass looking like a total crackhead myself, he allowed me to find the drugs. And I gave the drugs back. I gave the drugs back to the guy that I got the drugs from. And from that day on, I never laid my hands, I never even looked at a drug. I never even looked at it. It was God's way of showing me in that moment that this is not your life. Just because you saw your daddy, your brothers, and people around you do this, this is not your life. This is not your life. You are my child, and I have something greater for you. I have something greater for you. This is not your purpose in life to sell drugs or to even be amongst it anymore. This is not your purpose. So I found the drugs. I gave it back to him, and I never did that again. And from that day forward, I focused my life on getting out of the hood and getting out of it was like I can't even explain it it was it was horrible right it was just it was horrible so that had an effect on me that dadless daughter because I didn't have I didn't have any directions or no guidance I was trying to figure out life on my own as a teenager where do I go where do I fit in what tribe do I belong to? Am I going to do what my dad did? Am I going to do drugs because he did drugs? Am I going to have 
a lot of kids because that's what my mom did or am I, or am I gonna allow abuse into my life because that's what my dad did and what my mom allowed in in her life or that's what my what am I gonna do with my life so it affected me in so many ways as a as a child as a kid <laughs> I tried to make my own way my grandmother took me to church she did and I thank her for that my grandmother took me to church every Sunday and her taking me to church every Sunday I think I believe was the beginning of me finding or knowing who God is or who Jesus is and I think I held that I held on to that um, through my journey of my teenage years and even now in my adulthood I held on to God I have not always done right I have not always made the best decisions or good choices but I still hold on to who God is and the purpose that he has for my life being a dadless daughter is hard but we can survive. We can definitely survive, survive being a, a dadless daughter, no matter how, how you became one. Everybody's story's look, story looks different, but no matter how you became a dadless daughter, you can survive it. You can grow, you, you can succeed, you can love and you can be loved. You can own things, you can learn, you can own your life. I was dealing with this so much so when I turned 40, I couldn't take it anymore. I called my dad and I said, we need to have a talk. And we talked and he listened. And I was like, this is the truth. You were never there for me. You were a crackhead, alcoholic all my life. I hated you. I loved you, but I hated you all at the same time. You allowed for me to to be molested. You didn't fight for me. You didn't love me. You didn't protect me. You didn't show up for me. You wasn't there for me. You did none of those things for me, your daughter, your only daughter. Your life was drugs and alcohol. You abandoned me. You forgot about me. You left me to fend for myself. You did not protect me. You didn't tell me I was pretty. You didn't tell me I was worthy. You didn't show me love. You didn't guide me. You didn't protect me. You left me to fend for myself. You didn't show up when I needed you. You didn't care for me. You care for drugs more than you did me. You left me alone. I was alone. Even though you were present, you did not participate. You hurt me. You destroyed my childhood. And now, now I'm dealing with the repercussion of what you did to me as a kid. I listened to my dad cry. 
And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I've been waiting for you to tell me this for a really long time. He said, I've been waiting. He said, because I know I hurt you. I know I left you. He said, and I ask for your forgiveness. And we both cried. I forgave my dad. In that moment, I forgave him. He forgave me. And I forgave him. We don't have the best relationship to this day. But we do talk sometimes. We don't have talks about what's happening in my life. I don't express to my dad that um, the good things, you know, or bad things, whatever. I don't call him up and be like, hey, dad, you know, um, me and Kevin, we brought this business and it's this, that, and the other. Or that, you know, I, I, I'm working on this book, you know, or that my kids are growing and they're this. Those are not the kind of conversations that I have with my dad or my mom, really, to be honest. But I don't have those conversations with my dad because, I don't know, he's not. Drugs and alcohol taunts a person's mind. It, um, if that's all they know growing up, then they have not learned anything. And, and so we can't have those type of conversations because he wouldn't know what to say to me. But we do talk. He calls, he checks up on me, he asks me how my, my kids are doing or how my husband is doing. And, you know, we have very short conversations and he'll call sometimes to say, I, just, just to say I love you or something like that, um, which is fine and good. And I try my best to reach out to him too. It's just not a habit for me to do that. Like I, I'm, I'm over the dad stuff, but not over the dad stuff. Like I don't need a dad, a daddy anymore. But I need a dad. You know what I mean? I, it's just I don't. I have a daddy, and my daddy is my, my daddy in heaven. I have learned to love myself unconditionally. Oh, I have learned unconditional love through my daddy in heaven. Whenever I'm feeling loveless, I go to the Bible and I read how God loves me and how he's my father. He never leaves me nor forsake me. He never turns his back on me. He never leaves me without protection. He never, ever disappoints me. And when I turn to the Bible because I, I, I knew no other way to go, to go, that is when I found peace. That is when I found forgiveness. I found love for myself. My self-esteem grew. Um, I knew that I had protection all alone. Even when I was little, he protected me. When I was a teenager trying to find my way in life, he protected me. As an adult in my relationship with my husband, he protected me. He's always been there for me. Always. Even when I've sinned and I've made choices that just was not of God, he could have, he could have smite me <laughs> to that at that moment. He didn't. He protected me. He saved me. He loves me. He never condemns me. And when I learned that, that is when my life changed. I began a journey of healing. I began to grow. I began to 
let the walls fall. I begin to be more of a not so awkwardly socially person. I begin to let others in. When I learned that God's love is the only love, it's the only unconditional love that I will ever experience in my life, that is when my life changed. Do I still yearn at times? A hug from my daddy that says, I'm your daddy and I love you and no one or nothing will hurt you. I will protect you and guide you. Do I do I need those conversations? Do I need to just lay in my daddy's arms and feel his arms around me? Yes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I want to cry on my daddy's shoulder, on my earthly daddy's shoulder. I want to cry, and I want to tell him how much of a bad day that I've had. And I want to tell him how much of, like, this business is, I'm, I'm tired. You know, I need, I need your advice. Do I want my dad's advice at times? Yes. Do I want a kiss from, on my forehead from my dad? Yes. I still yearn those things sometimes. And I know, I know that I will never get that from my earthly dad. But my heavenly father, I will. And I do. I get it all the time. But to have that connection with my earthly dad is something that I don't have. But I look at those things not in a negative way. I have grown so much. I found positivity in all of that. Though I didn't get it from my daddy, my daughters, they get it from their daddy. And to see them interact with their dad, see my husband love his daughters, to see him care for his daughters, protect his daughters, kiss them goodnight, and love them and tell them how much he loves them. That heals me. It helps with my healing because it's possible. At one time, I didn't think it was possible, but it's possible for dads to do that. That is the positive that I get out of it. I didn't but my daughters get to experience that love. And it's such a great thing to see. I tell you this. After my conversation with my dad, after that cleansing we had, I told my dad, I said, you know, I forgive you um, and, I, and I love you totally. And I said, you know, you were this way. You didn't know any better. I said, even your upbringing wasn't good. You didn't have anyone to steer you in the right direction. And so it just became a generational thing. And it's all you knew. It's all you knew to do. You didn't have anyone to guide you. Your dad couldn't guide you because he was too busy out chasing women. And it's the truth. He was too busy out making babies with different women. He was too busy doing that. He didn't make time for you or your siblings. So you didn't know. This is all you knew. This is all you knew how to do. And you tried to navigate just like I did. You tried to find your life or navigate your life as a teenager trying to figure out where you fit in and this, that, and the other. And you just fell into the wrong place. And falling into that wrong place caused you to take the wrong journey, to take the wrong road. And I forgive you for that. 
and I told him I said I love you and I know that I feel in my heart that you would have been the best dad you could be if you knew better you may not get a second chance of being that dad but I give you a second chance of being a dad to me at least that's you know it may not be what it could have been but I give you a chance to to love me and me love you it may not look like what it could have been you may not be able to help me out in a situation um you may not be able to give me advice on something but I take what I can get. And if all I can get is a phone call that says I love you, I'll take it. Healing the daughter-daddy relationship is not an easy journey. But it can definitely be done. You just have to find your purpose in the pain. And get involved in a mission bigger than yourself. Be soft on yourself and patient with your emotions through the tough days and believe that through all you are growing in wisdom and resilience. Just like me, I am still on the healing process, a journey, and I told you I don't think it would ever end. I think on my on my dying bed I'm gonna be like, you know, still healing. But I found a mission that's bigger than myself. And that mission is to help other women heal through the pain of motherless daughter, fatherless daughter, the trauma that we continue to deal with. But it can be done. You can heal, I can heal, we are healers. And with God's help, I pray that you find forgiveness in your father or your mother. I pray that you find a heart to forgive and allow them to love you to the best that the best that they could or know how. And you do the same in return for your father. If you've lost your father through that pray that you also find healing. It's a journey that we're on. And we can definitely survive it. Heal my sisters. Heal. That was a lot. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't think that um, I was gonna be that emotional throughout the whole throughout the whole podcast talk. I really didn't. Um, I guess there's well, I don't guess. I know that there's still some um, healing that needs to take place. And like I've always said, the healing never ends. You just get better. You get stronger. You gain wisdom. You get wiser, um, and you do things differently. But 
I am doing well. Like, after having that conversation with my dad, you know, when I turned 40 some years ago, we have been doing much better. Um, I'm doing well. I have a great family. I love my family. I'm happy. And um, we're, we're thriving. We're doing things. And I'm better because of even not having that relationship with my dad or my mom. I'm such, I'm so much better. I'm a better person because all of it. It has had some effect, some great effects on my marriage with Kevin in, in the next podcast. We're going to talk about that. He's actually going to be my co-host. And we're going to talk about how some of those things, those daddy issues affected our marriage. Um, if you want to stay tuned for that, that's going to come out next Tuesday. So, or sometime next week. So we, we talk about that, but for the most part, I am doing well. And if you tuned in and listened to it, I thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. And I hope that I was able to help through my emotions. I know you heard it through all of that, through my pain. I still hope that I was able to help you um, gain some clarity or just to help you begin the healing process with your, your dad, um, even if your dad is not even here anymore alive you can still begin the healing process just by forgiving him and and honoring him and so I hope that I was able to shed some light um, and let you know that you're not alone on this journey there are so many of us that's on this journey and but we don't share we don't talk because we're ashamed we're ashamed of our our life where we come from um, because it looks nothing like where we are now but once you let that down once you drop that shame and stop condemning your own self you can begin the healing process so um i I pray that this helps you and if you think would help someone else please share until then have a blessed day and tune in to next week's episode have a good one